Welcome to the Cambridge Judge Business School Podcast Centre. Japan's well-established supply chains are fighting to recover from the battering they've suffered in the energy crisis brought about by the devastating earthquake and tsunami. Consequently, around the world, manufacturers have been forced to suspend or rescale production because they are unable to get the Japanese-made products on which they rely. Dr Matthias Holweg of the Cambridge Judge Business School is a leading expert on supply chain systems, especially in the automotive sector. His view is that the supply chains will change not because of the earthquake, but under pressure from other factors. Does Dr Holweg feel that predictions of major problems globally for producers of cars, trucks, mobile phones, computers and even aircraft like the Boeing Dreamliner are unnecessarily negative? They are and they aren't. The reason that they are is in the short term we will see problems. And the reason is that each of these products will have only few suppliers in the world. Uh, in particular, when we talk about uh, aerospace, there is generally dedicated source of supply. In the case of the Dreamliner, it's not just a galley, it's also a part of the fuselage that's made in Japan. For automotive, we're seeing single source supplies, particularly for electric powertrains, so batteries, inverters, reducers. But for most other parts, there are multiple sources in the world. So short-term disruptions, for sure, across the board, across automotive, electronics and aerospace. And the medium to long term, I think, we'll get back to normality in terms of production outside of Japan pretty quickly. Are you suggesting that there's an opportunity for the boot to be fitted onto the other foot with the, the possibility of huge marketing opportunities being created in Japan for others by this disaster? Well, don't forget that the uh, demand for durable goods such as passenger cars is largely a function of household disposable income and the economic uh, prosperity in the respective market. And as I'm sure that post-crisis we will see neither great prosperity nor a lot of disposable income. So I would expect a recession in the uh, Japanese car market, passenger car market, and not such a great opportunity for external manufacturers to come in. Remembering, of course, that most of the non-Japanese cars sold in Japan are luxury products such as Mercedes, Audi, BMW, Jaguar, uh, and the like. So not a great opportunity uh, arising from this uh, great and unfortunate disaster. Is it possible globally that other supply chains will benefit? One argument you could bring forward is to say that if manufacturing faces a hard time in Japan, and of course Japan is a great net exporter of vehicles, that other manufacturing plants around the world will pick up uh, this demand that was normally satisfied from export from Japan, I think we may see some shifting, probably in the medium term, of volume away from Japan should the Japanese supply chain not be able to recover. Remember, of course, that most vehicles are built in not just a single plant, but across multiple plants uh, in the world. But looking outside the boundaries of the automotive industry, take Apple, for instance, which relies on Japan for power cells and other components for the iPad too, and among other high-tech producers, Sony Ericsson. Well, uh, same as for for aerospace. If you have a single source uh, from Japan, there's two options you have. Either you wait until it recovers or you seek an alternative source. Either of those two options are time-consuming, and that's why I'm saying short-term you should expect disruptions. Has there perhaps been a measure of complacency? Japan's manufacturers have fed into a very wide supply chain, which could lead to a conclusion of too many eggs in the one basket. (laughs) It's a a common discussion that we're having is how resilient should a supply chain be or how how much robustness should you build into it? And here's the basic problem. 
Resilience costs money because you'll have to either have multiple sources, you have to hold additional inventory, or you hold uh, excess capacity. Either of those will cost money. So if you do build in resilience, by definition, you're going to be less competitive uh, than another manufacturer that does not build in that resilience at times of stability. In other words, as we've seen great period of stability, manufacturers across the board, across industries, have all uh, cut this, this flexibility or this robustness out of their systems uh, in order to save costs. And you could call it complacency or you could call it common sense because uh, up until this point, this resilience was not needed. You know, we're talking about sort of what we call four sigma events. Those you know, occur once in a lifetime. And uh, customers simply wouldn't have paid the extra money for this resilience at times of stability. So uh, everyone was caught out in the same, to the same degree. And uh, I think it's just a function of the way that we have run supply chains. Is this one of the lessons for the future? No, I don't think so. Um, four sigma events will always occur. Um, and of course, by, by definition, they're random. We don't know. We can't predict them. But if we were to cater for every single eventuality that could possibly happen, the products would be so expensive and so uh, unattractive that we would see a global recession on the back of it. So it's simply um, a matter of uh, building measures for speedy recovery after uh, you know, an, an unfortunate event. And we've seen previous cases in this, this regard. But you can't, you can't prepare for these kind of events, and you shouldn't, because it would have huge cost implications. In global terms, how quickly can specifically the automotive sector recover from the current setbacks of plant closures and reduce production volumes? Toyota shelled over time in the UK, and Nissan is really suffering because many of its plants in Japan are located in the areas worst hit by the earthquake and the tsunami. Not the majority of factories, but some. So the, the, there's two, two types of being affected that have resulted from this. The direct effect would basically be plants that have been struck by the earthquake and where there's damage to the facilities. We've only got three assembly vehicle assembly plants that are up that far north as the, the, the central gravity of Japan, Japanese automotive manufacturers actually far, I mean, Tokyo and further south. So only three plants, two by Toyota and one by Nissan, that have been directly hit. What we're seeing is indirect effects um, of of the, uh, the earthquake, where suppliers are now unable to deliver parts. Um, remember that we need 2,000 components for each vehicle, and if, if one critical one is missing, you can't build the product, and that's what we're seeing now. Is that Although the vehicle assembly plants that are affected may be miles or thousands of miles away, if that one course of key supplier is unable to deliver, then, then the plant will, will stop. So for those that are directly affected, I think the recovery will take longer, most plants are only indirectly affected, and they will have to seek alternative sources for these components, which could take weeks. More concerning to me on this uh, account are the, the blackouts, the, the power cuts, which, of course, are a huge problem to a car plant, which takes a long time to boot up, essentially. You know, you can't just switch off a robot and restart it the next day. Is there a danger, do you think, that popular Japanese vehicles, the Toyota and Nissan Rangers, could be in short supply, and as a result, sales prices could rise. Well, the most popular products are generally made locally. So in that, that sense, you should not expect that the prices for a, your, your, your Micra, which is built in Sunderland, or the Yaris to rise in, in, in the UK. What you may find is that the lead times will extend slightly until the, the supply issues have been resolved. The only real lead time uh, problems could occur with, for example, Lexus products that are made exclusively in Japan and, and, and the US. And, of course, here... Uh, it, it may well be that a product can't be delivered in the short term. 
But given the uh, fragile state of the recovery of the global economy at this point in time, no one will want to raise uh, sales prices. Finally, is there a lesson, one single lesson out of this for Japan's automotive sector and non-Japanese producers, BMW, Peugeot, Daimler, who rely on Japanese-made components, as well as the non-auto sector, Apple, Sony, Boeing, to name but three? Yes and no. I mean, no in the sense that these are very rare events, for Sigma, you know, once in a lifetime. Uh, planning for those would, would not be cost-efficient. However, there's a wider lesson, and that's sort of one of a global trend that we are seeing, is that uh, companies are reconsidering the structure of this, their global supply chains, which largely to, the, well, to this day have been built on the premise of cheap energy costs, in other words, the cheap oil price. So we are seeing uh, the structure of the supply chains uh, changing, not because of the earthquake, but because of the, the turmoil in the, in the you know, oil price and the stroke energy costs. So... We will see changes from a global supply towards uh, products you know, made locally for local uh, demand, but not because of the earthquake, but because of what, what else is going on uh, in the world. Dr. Matthias Holweg, thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School. 